0: Hi, thank you, guys. Um, my name is Bryce. I'm from Mesa, Arizona. Hi, Bryce. The question I have is, if somebody's struggling with assurance their salvation, where can they look or or what can they read to kind of get assurance? I know it's grace through faith in, in Christ alone, uh, grace alone. I just for those who struggle, I struggle myself. What what advice can you give?
1: How many sounds can you guys make? That have the communication power of words, but that aren't really words.
0: Huh? What?
1: <laughs> you just did it, right? That's right. I mean, think about it. Seriously, how many sounds there are that are not words hmm. but communicate so much. Hmm. Hmm. Nah-uh. Uh-huh. Me. Nah. You're doing mm-hmm. an Elvis
2: there, easy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: uh-huh. Uh oh. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Ah. Brr. Phew. This <laughs> is really happening.
2: like a, <laughs> a cartoon on Saturday. <laughs>
1: Saturday mornings. This is it's easy. Uh... But seriously, you guys, isn't that crazy? How killer words. But they mean something.
2: Yes. Eh. <laughs> do they do? The, <laughs> right? Do they do? The... <laughs> do they do? The... Eh. Huh. Eh.
1: <laughs> they all mean, I mean, we even write them out, you know, and now we've but got even a But even
2: a, just a very brief look that someone gives you, an expression can say so much, a, absolute contempt for you as a person. I've had people recognize me and walk past me and give that contemptuous look, and I know their whole life's philosophy in one split second.
1: Yeah. What is it?
3: I just want to beg our listeners to not unsubscribe after this opening.
1: <laughs> Please, <laughs> remain our friends forever. I'm yeah. In, I'm um um I mean. But it, but it is it's crazy. And I just even ah uh, uh, um uh. Yeah, it it really is kind of a weird and bizarre why dynamic are you looking, for Where <laughs> are you looking for something. are you looking? Like <laughs> notes. You're dragging it out. Uh, yeah, and um well, you know. Uh, <laughs> exactly did my printer now. not print the rest of my notes? Uh, well, I guess I don't really need them. So, hey, what what <laughs> you are what a are, mess. Mess. are they? <laughs> Man, Man I'm can, so I, can I record this? I think it's that silly printer. I like, think we just done it again? Anyway, no, that's good. All right, friends, today hey, <laughs> enough, we're talking about the Ambassador's Academy. Boy, Ray, do you remember? I think the Academy launched at a time when we saw the power of going out on the streets and reaching the loss with large groups from all around the country. And we have done now, I think we just did our 20... Was it our 20th? 25th, I
2: Fifth? think
1: Academy, yes. something I like was that, I can't. that. Can't it was remember the called name.
3: Something else, wasn't it? Maybe twenty
1: six. I don't know. But we we were doing a lot more in the course of a year back in the day. Now we're doing one a year. But Mark, explain what the academies are for our friends.
0: Can I say that are also not just in America, but the John Harris is doing them in England. Yes, uh, going to be a part of that uh, next year, June first, second, and third, twenty twenty three. If you happen to be in England in the Lincoln. Uh, England, and the UK area. The Ambassadors Academy is, as of right now, it's once a year where people gather from around the world, and we kind of handpick 100 people or so to come and be trained and then go out and hit the streets. And all of us have our teaching lessons, and it's filled with great food and fellowship. But we purposely have designed these to have small groups so people can interact and learn well. You know, I think we could have easily had uh, just multiple hundreds of people be part of the Ambassadors Academy. We've kind of toyed with that idea as well. But no, we want to keep it small so that you can have discipleship and fellowship over two, three, four days. It's pretty amazing. It's basically a crash course
3: for evangelism to street witness, to have one-on-one conversations. And it's it's incredible because people show up having never... Spoken publicly before, or sharing their faith before in public, and they leave with confidence. And often we hear stories about people going home and starting ministries, or firing up a you know an evangelism team at their church and leading it. I mean, the amount of confidence and uh, know how that is left from these individuals that come is is inspirational. My
0: son opened our preach for the first time at our last ambassadors academy. And I was so blessed. We found well, your what, replacement.
2: What, what, yes. what, what blows me away is that people say this is absolutely life changing. Mm. And all they did was come out, open air preaching yep. or sharing their faith in it. They go home and say, this is absolutely transforming. So that confirms the fact that we suspect that God's somehow in it.
1: Yeah. It's been a thrill. And the fact that people have gone back home and have, taken what they learned and have started groups that have revolutionized their church and their community. It's so, so encouraging. And so friends, what you're about to listen to is a Q&A that we did with the podcast in mind. Uh, it was kind of like a live recording in a sense of a podcast with all four of us. And you're going to get an opportunity to kind of be a fly on the wall, in a sense, in terms of what happens at the Ambassadors Academy. We want you to come out to one of those. We'll, we'll be you know, making announcements at different times. That's why it's important for you to sign up for our Living Waters newsletter. That is what's sponsoring this program today because through the newsletters, you're constantly informed and you'll, you'll be able to know what we have going on. So we'd love you to join us for an upcoming Ambassadors Academy, but uh, we hope you really enjoy listening in on this Q&A. Oscar, were you and gonna there's say a, something? there's a guest. Oh yes. yes, of course. Thank you. Ooh, uh was that Pastor noise? Philip <laughs> That meant something, I'm sure. Pastor Philip DeCourcy. We did this at Kindred Community Church. That is uh, mine and Mark's church, along with a few others here at, at Living Waters. And you're gonna see how blessed we are and why we love Kindred. In fact, if you're if you're in the Southern California area and and you're in search of a, a good solid church, we'd love you to come to King's visit Cross a Kindred Community <laughs> Church. I am of Kindred. He is of King's Cross. But please come check it out. Yeah, King's Cross, another great church. You'll get a chance to hear Pastor Philip and uh, hear the Q&A from the participants. So here we go. Part one, because we do have a part two coming of the Living Waters Ambassadors Academy (laughs) Q&A. We'll be back on the other end of this. Here you go. All right. Well, we're going to kick this off now. You're all familiar, of course, with the Living Waters Podcast. How many of you here listen to the Living Waters podcast? Wow. All right. The rest of you repent and believe the gospel. There's time. There's still time. Easy.
2: If we start a recording.
1: Uh, yeah, we're recording. Well, right? shouldn't
2: you start the way you usually start? The Living Waters
1: podcast. Yeah, something like that. All right. So anyway, did you guys enjoy the tour at Living Waters? Yes. Yeah. You got to eat the original manna from heaven, Chick-fil-A. You got to see Ray's bike with those tractor-sized tires on it. And you got to meet Sam. Yeah. Ray, Ray's teenage mutant ninja poodle. That's what he is. Well, what a, what a delight it's been to have you all. I mean, honestly, you guys have been coming up to us and telling us what a blessing the ministry has been to you, but uh, this isn't pandering, this isn't saying this because it's the right thing to say, but there are really no words to describe how blessed we are by how blessed you've been and the fact that God has impacted your lives and you're out there preaching the gospel. Uh, that means more to us than words could ever describe. We love what God has been doing through the Living Waters podcast. Those of you that listen to episode zero, you know that we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. We just kind of said, all right, people are saying, do this podcasting. I'll be honest. I don't think I ever listened to a podcast before we started the Living Waters podcast. I'm serious. I didn't know anything about podcasts. It's obvious. Yeah, it's <laughs> obvious. But we kicked it off and we are in shock to say that it is now one of the top podcasts in the world out of any... <laughs> yeah. Out of any category, and, you know, I mean, you have millions and millions of podcasts. We're in the top 1,200 of all podcasts in the world of all categories, and in the Christian world, we're in the top 20 to 30 in terms of reach and, and where it's trending. So thank you for standing with us. Thank you for telling others about it. And thank you for your prayers as we continue through it. So we're going to take questions, but uh, one thing we might do in the course of the Q&A is share some stories with you, and I'd like to kick us off with one of those. And if you've listened to some of my messages, you know that oftentimes I talk about something that I call divine convergence. Uh, scripture talks about how, um, in Ephesians 2.10, how God has prepared our works beforehand that we should walk in them. And then in 2 Timothy, we're told that we can be prepared for every good work. Every good work prepared for us, we're prepared for every good work, and that includes good works of evangelism. And then God, along the path of life, has these nicely, neatly prepackaged good works of evangelism that are ready for us and that we're ready for. And as we walk through life, there's this divine convergence where they come together in this perfect point in time and space, and we get to experience the Lord doing extraordinary things. So I'd like to share with you one of those divine convergences to kick things off. Is this going to be a long story? Very long. Very long. Hey, can you guys activate that trap door right below Mark Spencer? Uh, a number of years ago, Ray and I were on our way back home from speaking at a conference in Ohio. And we get on the plane, I get in my seat, and right next to me was a young man, probably about 20 or so. His name was Kellen. And I struck up a conversation with him and started to share my testimony and then went into the gospel. And he was really attentive, very respectful, intelligent young man. And when we finished, I reached in my bag to pull out a new uh, DVD of the new movie we had produced called Audacity on Homosexuality. And I thought this would be a good DVD for him. So I pull it out, and I'm about to give it to him. And then I looked. I realized that I had forgotten that I had also brought some DVDs of a movie that we produced called Genius about the life of John uh, Lennon, one of the Beatles. And I'd already pulled it out, and I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, I I don't want to have to try to go get another one. And I thought this guy, though, has, I'm sure, never heard of the Beatles. So I'm like, I'll give this a shot. I go, yeah, you ever heard of the Beatles? All of a sudden, his eyes go as wide as saucers. He goes, what? Man, I can't believe this. I'm a huge Beatles fan. No, I'm an insane Beatles fan. I'm like, whoa, bro, let it be. Let it be. All you need is love right now. I mean, the guy was getting unhinged. And so, anyway, I give him the DVD. He goes, I grew up listening to the Beatles. My brothers are big Beatles fans. He was going crazy. In the meantime, Ray Comfort is a few aisles ahead, and he was sitting next to a young lady named Stephanie, who was of Jewish descent, of which, of course, Ray is as well, and who was in the Air Force, and who was deathly afraid of flying. Yes, I said she's in the Air Force. I have no idea what we're cranking out in our Air Force. And so... Ray begins to, you know, engage her in conversation and to tell her about the Jewish Messiah and to comfort her. Of course, she was terrified. Some people need a little ray of hope. She needed a little ray of comfort, literally. (laughs) And so Ray shares the gospel with her. (laughs) And at the end, he asks her, he looks at her and he says, do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? And she looked at him and she said, now I do. We get off, yeah. We get off the plane, and I sensed like something wasn't right, so I looked at our original seating arrangement. Ray and I were supposed to be in 20A and 20B, but being the dunces that we are, we checked in at different kiosks, and so it took us and changed our seats, put me next to the insane Beatles fan with a Beatles DVD, took Ray and put him next to the lady who needed that little ray of comfort and the gospel from a Jewish brother. That's what you call divine convergence. When you walk in harmony with the Lord, he does that all across life, and we're excited for you to have more stories of that sort over the course of the academy. All right, here we go. Q&A for the Living Waters podcast, as people will be listening in to that as well.
0: Wait a minute. Now, we we need to pause because we have a fifth person on the panel. Duh. Mark, introduce our And the podcast world may not recognize the voice, but uh, Easy and I, we highly— Recommend this voice because he is our senior pastor, Philip DeCourcy, He is uh, how many years have you been here at Kindred Community? Church? Fifteen. Fifteen years, and you can hear him regularly on the Know the Truth uh, radio program. T- tell us a little bit quickly about yeah. Know the Truth.
4: Know the Truth is an, a national and international radio broadcast. It's on seven hundred stations in the United States and several in the UK. And it's just an a outgrowth of our pulpit ministry, you know, trying to double down in the time I have and the talent I have and the opportunity I have. And so we're excited about it. It's a teaching-based expositional ministry. It's really just our sermons on a Sunday that's carved up. We started that about 10 years ago. A man approached me who had helped start Alistair Begg on the radio. He comes to our church and he said, you have a voice for the radio, you don't have a face for television. And... Um, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or or half a one. Yeah, so uh, we got going on it, and God has been blessing it. It's just just another way of leveraging. And the accent is from?
0: Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. So you can blame him for all of our theology, right? Because we faithfully sit underneath him, and we love our church. Kindredchurch.org, if you would like to... uh, Learn more about Pastor Philip and his teaching or ktt.org Org. as well. Become a Truth Ambassador if you're looking for a ministry to uh, support. We highly recommend Pastor Philip and the work that he has done. We are forever indebted uh, to you and your ministry. And we uh, it's a great joy to be uh, up here with the pulpit with yeah. you, Pastor. I, and I mm-hmm. just
4: want to jump in and just say something about Easy and Mark. And several of the team come to our church, and we appreciate that. You know, you see them on television you see them on podcasting or hear them you know they're known for what they do down in Huntington Beach and throughout the country but on a given Sunday they're here with their families with their children. They're involved in ministry. They submit to the leadership. They're committed to a local church. They live it, and uh, they have our imprimatur and our blessing, and we are blessed by them. We stand behind them financially and prayerfully, but uh, this isn't a a kind of do-it-yourself ministry. This is a ministry we want to believe is kind of just uh, growing out from uh, its local church base, and the fact that these guys, above all, have reached their own family, their own kids, discipled their own Uh, children, that's a good model and a good benchmark uh, for for any ministry.
1: Yeah, and, and let me just say, my family and I have been here now 13 years. I think, Mark, close to about the same. Both Mark and I, we've traveled all around the world. We've together spoken at hundreds of churches, if you combine it. And I have to honestly say, you're hard-pressed to find a finer church. And we've been blessed over the years, as we've mentioned the church on uh, the, you know, the Comfort Zone, the podcast, that people have ended up coming, and they've been extraordinarily blessed. So for those of you that are visiting here, obviously, you're all here in town from different places. This Sunday, we'd love you to join us here for the service, and uh, you'll get to hear that glorious Irish accent again. Mark and I have only ever understood about 2% of what Pastor Philip has said, but that 2% is amazing.
3: He actually preaches the same
2: sermon every Sunday. They just <laughs> but no one knows it,
1: it right? <laughs> yeah.
2: So you right. see, before, before we start, I've got to um, mention something that's very, very important. The reason we call genius genius is because guys would come up to me, people would come up to me in public, and say, hey, you're the 180 guy. And I wanted them to do with the same thing with
4: <laughs>
2: genius. But it, it's never happened. <laughs>
3: All right, so I think how we're going to do this, guys, if you guys have a question, just go ahead and raise your hand. There's two people with microphones, so they'll come on up to you, and uh, we'll kind of just have a cue. As one person's asking a question, we'll have another hand go up, and you'll have a somebody with a microphone right next to you just kind of stand by and wait. So go ahead, and uh, if you guys have any questions, raise your hand, and we'll let uh, Easy answer them. We love to give things away. We love to give things away.
1: And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week. Goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week.
2: Hey, Scott Welsh from Wiley, Texas. Thank you so much for having us out here. What was Ray's first open air springboard in Christchurch, New Zealand? Boy, well, I'm glad you asked that question because I haven't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I was so terrified; I wasn't listening. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really was. Uh, over 40 years ago, I think 1978 or something like that. 76, 76. So it's before so electricity, right? Yeah, before electricity.
1: <laughs> but Ray, that's actually a good springboard into kind of letting everyone know what got you started to open air preach in the first place in in my big mouth
2: i prayed a prayer that i shouldn't have prayed i was in a bus and i had this incredible burden for all the people in the bus i thought i found the answer to death and they haven't more than likely and i I should really stand up and preach to them which terrified me because my background suffered from an inferiority complex at the age of 16 i vowed never to speak in public ever again after I was humiliated with a class speech when I had to sit down because I dried up. And so for me to say I'd love to preach to these people was really, really radical. And I thought that in unison, throw me off the bus, the driver throw me off the bus. So I prayed this, Lord, if there was only somewhere where I could preach in the open air, knowing there was nowhere in a whole city, but two weeks later... They legalized public speaking in the heart of our city. And I remember thinking, oh, what an answer to prayer. Horrors. And so I avoided the local square, which uh, was called Speaker's Corner, for two weeks until I was shamed into going because I saw a picture in the local paper of a little old lady with a violin, and it said the Bible lady sharing her Christian testimony with the hearers. And I felt so ashamed that a little old lady would do it, and I held back. So I went in. And I was more than mortified, but I did open my mouth, and that was the first time for, I think, 3,000 times. And it got worse. <laughs> we have another question over here.
3: Yeah, and please go ahead and include your name and where you're from. We'd, we'd love to know. Oh,
2: Ray Comfort, locally.
0: <laughs> Hi, thank you, guys. Um, my name is Bryce. I'm from Mesa, Arizona. Hi, Bryce. The question I have is, if somebody's struggling with assurance, their salvation... Where can they look or, or what can they read to kind of get assurance? I know it's grace through faith in Christ alone, uh, grace alone. I just, for those who struggle, I struggle myself. What, what advice can you give? John MacArthur wrote a really great book called Saved Without a Doubt that I read back in 1991-ish, 1992, I believe. He, he gave a really good litmus test in one of the chapters. You're going to begin to hate the things you once loved, You're going to love the things you once hated. You're going to desire to have fellowship with other people that are like-minded, that are kingdom-minded. You're going to desire to get inside the Word of God. When other people are going to want to go party and do things like that, it's going to be a little bit distasteful for you. So there's a whole chapter, especially, that lays out this litmus test that I find to be very great. But one thing that he does that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to always go back to the Word of God. So any question that you'll ever have, you want to realize and recognize that the Word of God is sufficient. It is sufficient. We had a chance to sit down with uh, R. Kent Hughes for lunch. Your pastor was there uh, with us, uh, Bruce Garner, and he asked the question, you know, you've written 22 commentaries. Why? Why have you written 22 commentaries? And this was his answer, and I'll never forget it. He said, we live in a Photoshopped world where everybody and everything is lying to us. Every billboard has been photoshopped. Every conversation, we're getting kind of half-truths. But I knew, and I, I knew for me, that if I opened up God's word, I was not going to be lied to because it was true. And so I can approach God's word, and I can put my guard down. And what the word of God did was it became for me my ultimate sanity. Hence, 22 commentaries came out of his ultimate sanity as he drew to God's word and realize that there's lots of scriptures. These things we write unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have everlasting life. First John five thirteen. The book of Romans says in chapter ten verse nine or nine verse ten. I confuse the two. Convolutum them. Ten nine. And what does it say? Confess so with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Blah, blah. Yeah, you will be you will be saved, right? If you If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So over and over and over again, I would preach these things to myself. I'm saved because of what he did, not because of what I did. And when I would blow it, when I would mess up, it was never an option to go back to Egypt. Where am I going to go? He alone holds the words to eternal life. So even though I didn't understand what was going on, I recognized that he was in control and there's one direction for me to head, and that was towards Christ. So the word of God is where you go. Because it's not going to lie to you. It becomes your ultimate sanity.
3: Let me just add to that. The verse that man, it is not good for man to live alone is certainly applied towards marriage, but it's also applied towards gospel community, which means that your discipling, your sanctifying process should happen in the context of the local church, which means in those moments of uncertainty, whether it's sin or things that you're thinking, whatever it might be, there is nothing better besides the word of God to have pastors and men of faith and women of faith to be able to be alongside you, to either affirm you or to hold you accountable. You were saved out of anonymity and into gospel community. And there's where God wants to refine you and assure you as well. And so I think that's an important thing to discover in the midst of that.
4: Yeah, you know, I think it's important when you're dealing with someone like with that kind of issue I have is to differentiate between the ground of my assurance and the ground of my acceptance. So, so, uh, you know, objectively, the ground of my acceptance before God is Christ and his finished work. And I try to, in dealing with people like that, they're either questioning the the size of their faith in Christ or the, the greatness of their sin. And in both cases, they're missing the mark. It's not the size of their faith. It's the object of their faith. It's not how many sins. It's the greatness of the Savior. So I think on, 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 on that, the, the baseline, the place to start is the greatness of Christ and the sufficiency of his work and the finality of what he did on the cross. Robert Murray McShane often said, and maybe in the context of Puritans and a lot of introspection, for every look itself, 10 looks at Christ. So, so in assurance, keep pointing people to Christ and the glory of Christ, and, and the sufficiency of his work. And then the ground of the assurance is what Mark's talking about. That's a first John, and that's subjective, but it's, but it's certainly, there are measurable ways in which a person can look at their faith and see that it's not the faith of a devil, uh, but it's a genuine faith. Do they love righteousness? Do they turn from sin? Do they love the Lord's people? But it's such a big subject and an important one. I love that book. The other book I like is Donald Whitney's book, How Can I Know I'm Saved? Because there's something greater than being saved. It's knowing that you're saved. And there's something greater than knowing that you're saved. And that's knowing that you're saved than knowing you can't lose it. And so uh, part of our evangelism is bring that. Ray and I were just talking quickly before we got started. That's where I focus a lot of my evangelism with Roman Catholics, because that's the one thing they don't have is assurance. Because Roman Catholic theology mixes sanctification up with, with justification. And so they, 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 they're never at a place where they've, they've settled the question of acceptance before God. And, and so assurance is a great doctrine, and we need to think it through, both the objective side of it and the subjective side of it, because it's part of the gospel. And is there anything greater than helping either someone living or someone dying to know that they can have peace with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To be like Paul, I'm persuaded that that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I'm persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. And everything we hang on as Christians
2: is under the premise that it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So if I doubt any of his promises... He that believes not God has made him a liar. And so you find yourself getting into Doubting Castle. Are you familiar with Fulton's Progress? Yeah, if you just get into Doubting Castle, you'll find giant despair who's there to torment you. And you've got to find that, that promise, a key promise within your own heart and say, I believe God. It's as simple as that. I believe God. He cannot lie. And I'm not going to go by my feelings. I'm going to go the fact that it's impossible for God to lie.
1: Often it's the people that are not concerned about their salvation that concern me yeah. typically those that are concerned usually really love the lord but there have been occasions of struggle in their lives and so they're in that place where they're they're doubting and the ones that typically try to justify themselves as i've seen even over the course of years when mark and i pastored together and there would be a church discipline issue it was those that were living in blatant sin that were trying to justify and tell you no i am saved i know i believed and and so that's what concerns me but Scripture makes it clear. This is a testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has a son has a life. Who who doesn't, doesn't. And sometimes I think we overcomplicate it. Of course, there's a concern like John Matthew 7. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or iniquity. But we also have to remember what James says. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. And what I love about that is that Our our faith in Christ isn't this sort of esoteric, emotion-based type of thing, but it's, it's grounded in the reality that we've placed our faith in the finished work of Christ. And typically, all we have to ask ourselves is, what more can I believe other than what I've already believed? And you challenge yourself. Do I believe Christ is a Messiah? Yes. Do I believe he died for my sins and rose again on the third day? Yes. Have I repented and placed my faith in him? Yes. Did I see a change in my life? Yes. And so what's happening now? Maybe I'm struggling. Well, Hebrews tells us by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And so this is where you stand up and you say, despite what I feel, I'm going to show my faith by my works, by continuing in obedience and all that scripture calls me to. And I'm going to trust that all that I've put my hope in, in terms of what scripture has revealed is real. And then you just keep walking with the Lord he'll bring you through those seasons of struggle and doubt and battle.
4: I just want to add one thing that I find as a pastor comes up again and again, where Someone's maybe come to Christ young, and, and, and the change has been not as dramatic as someone coming later in life, and it's so conscious for someone in their teens or later in life who have lived a dramatically sinful life. And, and we know there's a beginning, right, to faith, born again. There's a birthday. You don't grow into Christianity. You're born again into Christianity. John talks about the 10th hour. But when I'm dealing with someone like that, I go to a First John and, and look at the Marks. And if they can't remember the day and the hour, I remember, I think it was Adrian Rogers told this story, this is something I share with you, you can use it, it's very helpful. It said, he drew an analogy in in the East Coast, I'll draw one on the West Coast, say I'm taking a flight from LA to Portland, and you know what, I'm not sure when I cross the border because I'm at 33,000 feet flying at 600 miles an hour, but I know I crossed the border when I get off the plane in Portland. And his analogy was that maybe someone can't remember the moment or the hour or the day when they crossed the line and trusted Christ. But if they're in Portland, if the fruits of the Spirit are beginning to show in their life, if the marks of First John are operative in their life, then that's evidence enough, even if they can't consciously remember the moment or the day that can give them assurance. And just you'll find some people really struggle that, "I can't remember the moment or the day, but it's clear that the Spirit of God is at work in them and bearing the fruit. I just, I just find that helpful. Okay,
0: why, we, why can't you give good answers like that?
4: <laughs> we have I another... don't have the
2: accent.
5: Hey, good evening, everyone. Evan Anstein from Columbia, South Carolina. Um, Hi. I want to go back to open-air preaching, and what I'm thinking about is uh, I'd like to know if you're all more or less in agreement that the, whether there are city ordinances, local government ordinances against... Public speaking and, you know, or speaking in public spaces. If you think that should be obeyed under any circumstances, if so, what are some alternatives in terms of someone that wants to go out there and preach, but they're trying to also obey the local authorities? Maybe with all the traveling you guys have done, what are some things that you've done to circumvent that or just to still get the word out, um, still preach the gospel? And also, I want to just color this just a little bit, maybe make it more interesting or just straight up controversial. But we've, we talked about John MacArthur a little bit and he kept his doors open you know, during COVID, you know, some agreed, some didn't, but ultimately he did so based on, you know, his convictions, right? He, he, he stood on the courage of his convictions. I appreciated what he did personally, and he felt he had a clear mandate from scripture to continue to gather together. And I wonder if someone might feel the same way that, hey, we're called to preach. We're called to go out there and share the gospel. So do we see that as a different situation where if there's a local order that says you can't openly preach if we should obey it, or if we think that, hey, that isn't at odds with God's word and we shouldn't. So just want to throw some of those details out there. I think I've said enough, but I definitely you. want
3: to hear from you guys on this. But before, I'll tell you a hack. Uh, if you're ever being questioned by the police officers while you're out there open-air preaching, just give them your name, Ray Comfort, and run.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say it's a, it's a you know, wise as serpent, gentle's doves kind of an a- approach. And what I mean by that is you always want to ask yourself, are there alternatives? Sometimes we want to have this gung-ho attitude, and it's not its not going to be the most conducive or productive. I remember a number of years ago, there was a guy who was going on a high school campus and giving out flyers, inviting people to Bible study. And they told him, if you do this again, we're going to have you arrested. And so he was saying, I'm going to do it. I need to tell people. And I said, hey, you can stand on the sidewalk and do the exact same thing and reach all these people rather than get arrested and not ever be able to go near this campus again. So I think it's good to try to explore areas where you can go. And typically in your city, you will find places like that. But generally speaking, when it comes to the proclamation of the gospel or anything God calls us to do, the only time that we have a right to rebel against authority, any authority, is if we're commanded to do something God forbids or we're forbidden to do something God commands, as the saying goes. And so I think that's what you got to do. In John MacArthur's case, in our church's case, that's what it ended up coming down to. God calls us to gather together. We applied wisdom and saying, well, hey, we don't know what this thing is. Maybe it's of a, of a certain level where we do need to because people are going to die immediately or whatever. But after the jury was out, we realized, no, that this is fine. Then we had to obey God rather than man.
2: This is kind of kind of on the subject, but... In New Zealand, when well, I've been out here 33 years, in New Zealand when I was over there, and same with in England, uh, they didn't have guns. The police didn't have guns. If someone was naughty, they'd hit them with a stick, truncheon. And so when I came to the U.S., and I, I think I preached open air on Waikiki Beach on a trash bin, standing on trash, and a police officer approached me. And the first thing I thought as he's walking towards me was, he's got a gun. <laughs> and I've always thought that. I've been approached by police over a dozen times and stopped. And I always stop. You know why? Because he's got a gun. <laughs> and he can kill me. If I say, hey, you want this tract? You know, or something like that. He's going to kill me. He wants to get home, people, this family that night. So I realize that. So when an officer approaches me, I always say, yes, sir, no, so you want me to move, sir? And I, I move. I just, if you're nice to them, and just don't say, look, First Amendment right, officer, I I'm pay your paycheck. You're going to be in trouble. Just say to him, sir, I would like to preach. Where, where do you think I should preach? him?" I say, 50 yards down there will work great. And that's happened a lot. They're peace officers. And so if you're nice to them, they're nice to you. And I've never had any problem with the police all the time. We've been preaching in Huntington Beach because we, as much as lies, and you'd be at peace with all men. And uh, so that's uh, that's how I handle it. Yeah. And
1: I think, you know, Titus 3 1 to 2 really connects with that, where, uh, you know, he talks about. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. And that's in keeping with authorities. And so that humility will get you a long way. Don't try to, you know, claim your rights like Ray is saying. Again, there comes a point where we may have to do that. We might have to take it to court. You know, we might have to be forceful to a degree. but. We have our rights here. You can preach in public. Sometimes there's an event going on or they want you to move. So have that humble, gentle spirit. It'll get you far. Hi, my name is Ken. I'm with a bunch of zanies from the Portland, Oregon area. And we just love you guys. Thanks for putting this on. My question is concerning giving tracks to people at convenience stores, supermarkets. And it's something I'd really
4: like to work on. What can you say in the way of encouragement? And then a little follow-up to that. Sometimes I go to the same place and I don't want to give them, you
1: know,
3: a gospel track every time, or do I? So those are my two questions. I feel like I have an idea, but I want to hear you. Well, the first thing is have fun. Honestly, track handing out can be a lot of fun. And if you love the track that you have in your pocket and you think it's fun to hand out, which by the way, that should be the track, go onto the website and find the one that you love that you would gravitate towards. Take that one and enjoy handing the to people. I like to have tracks for adults and tracks for kids. Kids are a lot of fun to hand off the little bit more colorful ones. So have fun. fun I love the Million Dollar Bill one. I love the uh, Optical Illusion one as well.
2: 101 of the world's funniest one liners is a fun one.
3: What do you got, Ray?
2: Oh, that's it. How oh, do you, do you just it? say it say to people, did you get one of these? It's one thing I've said for years. Easy's got a song on that, haven't you? <laughs> Where he mocks me, Oh, did you get one of these? Yeah. I get yeah, last day she'll come mockers. <laughs> and they're all in our ministry. But yeah, did you get one of these? Did do you like one liners? This is the world's funniest one liners. So when you've got a minute you might like to read it. Just and it's good to Just greet people first. I find if I don't greet people first, it's much harder. You've got a Goliath instead of a Zacchaeus. If you say, how you doing? Or good morning. And they acknowledge you, you're halfway there. And you're most certainly going to get them to take the track, if you can get them to answer in response to your warm good morning or good afternoon.
1: Yeah. Have you guys seen our uh, Something to Think About, the monkey tract, with the monkey on it? Yeah. Like Oscar's saying, it it can really be fun. And and just having a line that you've used again and again that you've seen works with people puts a smile on their faces really good my favorite thing to do with that one is to come up people and say hey uh, my grandma recently got lost if you happen to see her please let me know <laughs> and then i give them the monkey track yeah my wife hates it when i do that but
2: can understand why
1: <laughs> the mic's uh, an
2: evolutionist wouldn't laugh at that one yeah
1: uh, i'll preface this i have a two-part question but preface it by just saying i, I know most of you guys personally sorry pester phil don't don't you but uh just for people in the audience to know, I've gotten to know you guys personally. Sorry. You guys are the real deal. I think you guys know, for folks here, uh, my, my mom died this year. Sorry These guys reached out to me multiple times just to see how I was doing. You guys can't imagine how much it means to me when you do that. Uh, so the question I have for you guys is two part. One, I know we're here learning from you guys, but I also know your heart's. What is it that you desire for us when we leave here as we wrap up? And, and a second part question is, uh, how can we financially, I get we support you. How
3: can we support Living Waters? Andrew, we love you, bro. And if you guys don't know who Andrew is, you can follow his podcast. He's the real deal. He loves the Lord. He loves people. And he loves to preach the gospel. So we appreciate that. One thing that I would love for you guys to leave with is uh, a sense of joy over evangelism. It, It can be an irksome task, as Ray has often talked about. But there's this, there's this moment in Psalm 51 where David goes from realizing his sin, repenting from his sin, reflecting on the gospel, and then he has this overflow of joy that makes them want to go out and tell the world about Christ. And that's the thing about what preaching the gospel is. We are actually designed by God to enjoy something so much that our next reaction is to go tell somebody about it. We do this all the time. You go to a brand new restaurant that you love, a great coffee shop that is amazing. You do. You 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 read a great new book. You watch a movie. What do you do? You tell somebody about it. You're like, you got to go here. You got to try this. You got to read that. That's It's in our nature to share the things that we love. And so the more full of joy you are over your own salvation, the more joyful you will be as you go out there and proclaim the gospel. That would be the one thing I would love for you guys to take away.
2: I love the words of D.L. Moody. I'd rather set a thousand to work than do the work of a thousand. And so we want to reproduce after our own kind. We want people to go out and reach the lost because that's our agenda of the church. You read the book of Acts. The church of the book of Acts was on fire for the gospel. And uh, we want to get the end time church in exactly the same mode.
0: Yeah, I mean, a church on fire is in the fire, right? John Wesley said, get on fire for God and people will come from miles around to watch you burn. I don't even know what the question was, but I wanted to say something. (laughs) That's Mark's mo on the yeah. podcast, by the way.
2: Have you guys noticed we're being kind of? This is not a normal podcast. But we're being nice to each other. Oh, what's going
4: on here? It's not right. The thing I'd like to is kind of go back to Acts. I think th- several of us preached on it. Church growth is word growth. I hope you leave with the confidence in the Word of God. I love all the methodology. I love the ways to you know build bridges with people, break the ice. But at the end of the day, we need to have a rock-solid, bedrock confidence that the Word of God will do its work. You know, the uh, the parable of Christ, the, the growing seed, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Our job is to get the Word of God into people's hands and hearts and heads and trust God to do that work you know we uh, years ago i heard al Mulder speak about we live in a culture of with log, logophobia a fear of an authoritative word but but that's where our conviction lies so let's be convictional evangelists let's be convinced you know witnesses that the word of god is the power it's not our persuasion it's not our methods the lord uses that if we can just get god's word back to a quote earlier jim henry uh, a man who mentored me in Northern Ireland, I pray that, the Lord, just at least once a day, I have one meaningful conversation with a lost soul. And he, I think he means by that idea of meaningful, he gets an opportunity to articulate the gospel in a meaningful, clear way. And that means the word of God has been cleared. That's evangelism. Evangelism isn't necessarily leading someone to Christ. It's clearly with conviction, sharing the gospel and trusting the word to do its work, right? Martin Luther was asked, well, how do you explain the Protestant Reformation? He said, while Philip of Amsdorf and I drank Wittenberg beer, the word of God did it all. And so in today's culture, where there is no authoritative word, we need to, you know, keep our nerve, have a confidence in the gospel, not be ashamed of it, and clearly communicate the Word of God, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I hope you leave with that conviction and that confidence.
1: Yeah, you know, Andrew, to answer the question, what, what can you guys do for us when you go back home? It's to keep doing what you are doing. You know, you in particular, Andrew, and so many of you here are an inspiration to us, and you guys keep us doing what we're doing. Let me be honest with you. We're not really big parachurch organization fans. I think parachurch organizations are an unfortunate necessity. I think Living Waters exists because the church is not doing, by and large, what it really should be doing. And I've often said, we would love to work ourselves out of existence <laughs> for the church to begin to, to do what the church is called to do. That's to fulfill the Great Commission. So when we see people like you guys out there faithfully proclaiming the gospel, you know, Eddie Roman, who's, who's our director-producer, He came to an academy many, many years ago. He was convicted about evangelism, looked it up online, found our ministry, came out and ended up being our director producer. And he went back to his church and this guy is active in what he's doing. He's been teaching and leading teams for years. I had a sister earlier tell me, I need to take this back home. That's what you can do for us. Continue faithfully in what you've learned here and in the work that the Lord has given you. Uh, again, we're just, we're so honored to, to be doing this. We often pinch ourselves and say, we really get to do this. We get to be a part of this, you know? Ray punches us, we pinch ourselves. and And it's a joy, so thank you, Andrew. Ray, what are, you, what are you eating, Ray?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oscar brought us danishes.
1: Yes, he definitely did. And uh, someone is consuming them voraciously. Wasn't that fun, guys, a Q&A, seriously?
0: Oh, oh yeah. It was good to, to have a... An, a... Yeah, it was okay. It, it's, but I, I like, like having you guys there because you don't know a question is going to be asked and you could just not get eye contact. Yeah. And let one of you guys answer the question. It really does,
1: <laughs> it does help to have more brain power on hand. And how great Pastor Philip is. He's you awesome know, boy. He's, he really is. He has an accent. Brilliant. How long have you he guys been, been there? Uh, 13 years. You've never-
3: learned nothing from him.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> one thing. Well, friends, there you have it. I do wanna, on the back end here, read a comment. This is from Mason Owens. It's the best podcast on the platform, is the subject line. He said, I have considered myself a Christian for my whole life. However, it wasn't until I started watching the Living Waters YouTube channel that I was one of those who were lost. Even after several videos, I still fell to sin daily by blaspheming, saying filth words all over the place. I don't as much anymore, but I'm working on getting rid of that habit altogether, and being a lying thief until something clicked in me. It was a video with Mario that opened my eyes to how truly sinful I was and how big of a deal it is to God. Since then, I have bought a study Bible, evidence study Bible, and raise evidence study Bible and raise evidence Bible, which is an awesome book. And no, this isn't rat writing this, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Rat comfort. And now I am an avid listener to this podcast. I felt compelled to leave a rating after just hearing these guys tease each other a bit with jokes. And I realized that I love listening to y'all. Keep up the amazing work, guys. You're changing lives out here by preaching the gospel. God bless. Well, that's better than a Uh, kick to the head. It sure is. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, Mason, God bless you. And uh, thanks so much, for writing in. And friends.
2: Yeah, thank you, Mason.
1: Yeah, do check out that Evidence Bible. It is life-changing. And also the treasure chest. We have a cool wooden actual treasure chest uh, with 310 commandment coins in it. There's a cardboard version. You'll get 500 coins. But boy, that wooden... uh, It's really classy. This is really, really cool. So make sure to check that out at livingwaters.com. Thank you for joining us, friends. We'll see you here, hey, on part two of the Q&A for the Ambassadors Academy Pod cast.